Degenerates to Four Stats Podcast. I am Brandon here again with Chase. Say hello, Chase. Welcome back, everybody. How are you doing? Each week we talk sports, sports gambling, and fantasy football. Each week we give you four unique stats. Some are meant to be informative, some are meant to blow your mind, maybe even controversial, and others are just conversation starters. This episode, we raise and answer the question, is there still parody in today's NFL? There are some really lopsided stats this week. And we will give you our Week 12 fantasy lineups and our Against the Spread winner for Sunday. Before we get into this upcoming week, Chase, what did you take away from this past weekend? Well, a few things I've took away from this past weekend, starting with the Atlanta Falcons. They've lost three in a row. They started off the season as being one of the hot teams in the NFL, and people actually thought that maybe they might actually get over the hump and make a playoff run and actually be a Super Bowl contender. But if you want to base it off the last three weeks, the Falcons might struggle in the playoffs. Uh, I have a good chance that they'll probably still make it, but they've definitely fallen off. Also, Green Bay is back on top of the NFC North. And welcome back, Tony Romo. Looks like the Cowboys are ready to make a run. I'm pretty sure they'll have to win out, but they definitely have a chance. Carolina better watch out on Thanksgiving. Vegas already has them favored to beat Carolina this this Thanksgiving, which I think is crazy, but maybe they know something that we don't. Yeah, it's, I, I'm curious how much public perception is driving up that game, how many people just don't believe that Carolina can go undefeated and they're fading that trend. Uh, as far as Atlanta, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, I was ready to give Dan Quinn the coach of the year after those first couple of years, uh, those first couple of weeks, because of how well that defense has played, and now they don't. They look like the defense they had last year, and Matt Ryan too. He's kind of going under the radar of how bad he's actually playing, and he's not doing his teams any favors with his play right now. Well, that definitely piggybacks on to your award uh, when you said that Matt Ryan wasn't really having a good season, but was definitely being covered up by the players in his record. So you hit that right on the head. It's definitely showing now. Yeah, well, and speaking of bad play, we already know about the NFC East, so yeah, I guess the Cowboys do have a shot, and I won't dwell on that any further. They actually do have a shot. They're probably one of the most talented teams in the NFC when they're all healthy. Yeah, I don't even think that's much. Uh, I don't think that's much of a debate right there. Maybe the Giants, but other than that, I it's it's pretty much the Dallas Cowboys or nobody. Oh, one more thing: the the defensive end for the risk and Hatcher. Uh, went out and said that they're not getting calls because of the name of their team. I hate to tell you, they've won three Super Bowls with that name. I don't think the calls have anything to do with that. I understand you're frustrated, but you got to dig a little bit deeper. Yeah, the the game moves way too fast for the refs to even be able to keep that in mind while while they're playing. Uh, that that's got to rank up in the ridiculous comment of the week. Definitely, um, he was reaching. I I know he's frustrated, but. Um, it's some other stupid names in the NFL, and I know the Redskins name they considered a little racist, but I hate to tell you, I don't think that has anything to do with a false start. I, I don't even know how that can correlate to the amount of penalties given. Uh, when you're a bad team, you're a bad team. Just take some responsibility. Uh, but besides responsibility, I actually want to give you a little bit of credit. When we were talking about possible subjects for this podcast, uh, you brought to my attention there was only four teams above 500 in the AFC and that was rather shocking, nearly incomprehensible. Um, it made me start thinking about the league as a whole. And I realized I don't feel like there's a lot of parity in the NFL, especially what it used, what there used to be. Because when you talked about the NFL, you would always say anything can happen on any given Sunday. That there's so much parity year to year that the bottom team can always win it. And I'm not sure if that's true anymore, which leads me into stat one. There are only nine teams above 500 right now. 
If the season were to win today with only Nine. teams above 500, that would be the lowest amount of teams since the introduction of the expansion teams in 1995. So I dug a little bit more. And assuming that this year, 12 or fewer teams finish above 500, that would be the third time in the last five years. So I wanted to put that in perspective a little bit. Since the league became a 32-team league in 1995 through 2010, only four times in 16 years did this happen with 12 or fewer teams. And now we're looking at the third for the third time in five years. Let's get your general thoughts about why there seems to be less parity uh, in today's NFL than years before. I think when you look at the NFL, there's winning organizations and then there's losing organizations. And there's certain organizations that you can just count on winning. When you find out, when you sit down and see that they're having losing seasons, then you kind of, you know, begin to scratch your head. For example, New England, whenever they're losing, you're concerned. Um, Denver now is another one of those teams. The Steelers have always been a team that people expected to be a good team. Green Bay also. So a lot of these teams have historically rich, successful histories in the NFL. And those generally are the teams that are around. Uh, rarely do you hear about those teams, the smaller teams or smaller markets. For example, Carolina. Yes, they're on top now, but last year they only had five wins. And next year, you never know. Carolina's great. They're not wowing you by their wins. Of course, they're winning because they're playing hard. But next year, Carolina could definitely be one of those teams with five or six wins that we'll probably be talking about that are at the bottom of the, a the NFC. So I really think it starts with the front office and it really starts with draft picks and building the team the proper way uh, with a quarterback and then building it from the inside out with linemen and also being willing to pay people. Um, the Patriots, of course, they pay the people they count, but you have to be you have to be willing to pay people as a general manager if you want people to stay. And I think the teams that do hold on to these players, they make commitments to the people or the building blocks of the franchise. As far as Carolina's concerned, I think you're exactly right. I think that they're the exception and not the example. And I don't know how much history has to play into it. I don't know how much NFL players are drawn to certain franchises because they are proven winners in the 90s or 80s. In my mind, not a lot. But the reason I think that Carolina is a good example is because I think today's NFL is more of fin a finesse league. And by finesse, I don't just mean lack of brute force. I mean, it's more skill involved. Uh, and because of this, the teams that are sharp, sharper have a constant advantage. Also, there's more emphasis on the quarterback than ever. And there are only so many elite quarterbacks. So when you're, you're depending on finesse and sharp routes and perfect timing, uh, it's really about always being on the same page and having the players that can constantly do that. As back in the day, it was just brute force man versus man and every snap that could change. And today's NFL is just, it's just not the same. Uh, certainly it's definitely became a quarterback league, a passing league. So once you find coaches that can come up with great schemes and then you can find individuals that fit those schemes, then of course, then you can start a winning tradition or even have a winning season because you've basically used skill or talent to beat your opponent compared to maybe in the past where you basically lined up and it was three yards in a cloud of dust. Now it's more strategy being involved. It's more strategy involved in the game far as you're not just running power plays or running out of the power eye. You're seeing a lot of formations where there's not even a running back. And so many individuals in the NFL are 
have multiple positions. They play in the slot. They play in the backfield. So I really do think that it's definitely a finesse league. I agree with you there. I think that coaching is more of an emphasis than ever before because it's not just man versus man and strength versus strength that changes every play. It's all about your preparation and coaches that are winners are winners and coaches that are losers are losers. This gets me right into stat two. Teams that have a winning record as of week 11 versus non-conference opponents without a winning record are 23-1. and This is pure dominance. The only loss all year was last week when the Colts beat the Falcons. And I expect this trend to be favorable, but not to this extreme. And I'm so amazed by this number, I'm actually using it for stat three. Stat three, and those 23 victories by a team with a winning record through week 11 versus a non-conference opponent with a losing record, they're losing by an average score of 28 to 15. That's nearly 13 points a game. And and the NFL, seven points is considered a blowout. So 13 is, is just extraordinary. So it's not surprising to see that they're against the spread record in that situation is 16-7-1. This trend would normally be there. Because one, they already have a winning record, so they should win more games. But two, when you're a good team playing a bad divisional opponent, it comes back to what we were just talking about. So much of today's game is about planning and preparation. And because the divisional opponents know you so well because you play, play twice a year, they know your habits. So it's easier for lesser talent to succeed against you. So when you go out of conference and suddenly you're getting a 23-1 and record when you're the better team because they're not going to be able to stop you with lesser talent because they don't know your habits. Yes, I understand that completely. Divisional games are always generally a fight, but once you go outside of your division and you're playing against someone that is not familiar with you, they don't understand some of those play calls or those audibles at the line of scrimmage. They're definitely unprepared, and as your stat has proven, generally you're going to walk away with that win. Yeah, if you're an AFC team right now with a losing record, you're just 10-23 and 23 against NFC. If you're an NFC team with a losing record, you're 11 and 16 versus the AFC. Winning teams are winning and losing teams are losing at a much greater rate than they were in years past. Yes, but I do understand on the flip side, it kind of makes it kind of interesting because it leaves the back door open for a lot of teams when it comes to playoff time. Because if you look at our, if you look at it now, out of the 32 teams in the NFL, only nine of them actually have a record above 500. There's a few five and five teams, but only nine of them actually have a record greater than 500, five in the NFC, and then four in the four in the AFC. But it also leaves the back door open, and it also makes the season a little bit more interesting. There are teams out there that you would have thought would have lost hope for making it to the playoffs, but they actually have a chance to make the playoffs and make a run. We just talked about Dallas earlier, but also let's think about Seattle. We thought Seattle was done, but they actually have a chance to make the playoffs. And then on the other end, the Jacksonville Jaguars actually have a chance to make a playoffs. And with their offense, they actually may be able to upset somebody. I'm not saying bank on it or put your money on it, but I think the playoff race is going to be kind of interesting towards the bottom and at the end. Yeah, there's a, I think if you're a betting man like we are, there's a lot of value if you believe in long shots to win the Super Bowl. Because once you're in the playoffs, historically anything can happen. Uh, so if the Jaguars be in the playoffs at 4-6 and six right now, you should be able to get great odds. The Texans are looking like they could be in the playoffs. Really, anybody in the AFC South not named the Titans. And it's just kind of crazy to think that a team like the Raiders, who have been so bad for so many years, are going to have the chance to be in the playoffs despite being 4-6 and right now. 
So I, I, I agree with you that this race is wide open and it's going to be really interesting down the stretch. Yes, it's just pretty hard to predict the season outside of the top. Uh, you know New England, you know Cincinnati, even though they have dropped two in a row. Carolina's going to make the playoffs. Looks like Arizona's going to make a playoff run, probably walk away with that division also. But it definitely looks like it's going to be a race to the finish. Uh, but as I said at the beginning of our podcast, at the beginning of the season, I think around week five or six, I noticed that the NFL was definitely a year of have and have nots. That's exactly what this whole episode has been about, is how the parity doesn't seem to be there anymore. So even if these teams sneak in the playoffs like the Jaguars or the Colts, uh, I'm, I'm curious if they'll really be able to hold up because if the season trends hold up, they won't be able to fare against these better teams in the NFL because they haven't all year. Yeah, they'll probably lose to them in the playoffs, but when it comes down to the playoff race, the top will just keep stacking up wins and we'll just have to see the bottom fight against each other. Talking about stack team, let's go ahead and talk about our stack fantasy lineup. You did lay a dud last week. I didn't think I did very well, but I came away with the victory. So I am now five and four against you. So let's see if you can get back to 500. Who are you taking as your quarterback this week? It will not be David Carr again. I can promise (laughs) you that. He definitely let me down last week. All right. Starting off in my quarterback, I went with Jameis Winston against against Indianapolis this week. Uh, Jameis Winston has been letting it fly, and I think he'll continue to. Uh, He's gaining trust from his team and also from his coach, Lovey Smith. So I definitely think he's going to be able to get a lot of attempts, and a lot of attempts means catches and touchdowns. I really like that pick. I actually I considered him, but instead I went with Eli Manning. Uh, they're playing the Redskins. Uh, they're, they're looking to throw it often. Uh, as far as my running backs, I went with Alfred Blue. Uh, he's with the Houston Texans and is getting a, almost all the snaps and they're a team that runs the ball a lot and they're actually playing pretty well, so maybe they'll play with the lead late. And then I went with LaShawn McCoy. I don't know the status of Tyrod Taylor. Uh, that offense is going to run through McCoy, and hopefully he can do what he did on Monday night. All right, mine's a little different there. I went with Alfred. I'm sorry, I said it was different. I'm wrong. I went with Alfred Blue also at running back. I definitely think he's going to get a lot of carries. Their lead running back has been out for a while with the absence of Foster. And also I took... I have a feeling that Beast Mode will not play again this week. He has an abdominal injury, and they're saying it's pretty serious. So I think Thomas Rawls will also get the will also get the nod again this week. And he had a great performance last week, so I definitely think they'll be okay with giving him another chance back there in the backfield and let Beast Mode rest or or prepare for life after Beast Mode. I think you have two sleepers at running back. If you perform both well well with both of them, you'll be looking at some serious money in this millionaire maker. What about wide receiver? At wide receiver, I did a little stacking. I went with Mike Evans uh, to stack with Winston. Also, I went with DeAndre Hopkins. He's once again back to his old self, looking unstoppable. I took another speed receiver at Deshaun Jackson for the Washington Redskins. He scored a touchdown last week, and I think they'll be looking for him again this week. Again, we have the same exact philosophy and some of the same players. Uh, I went ahead and spent the money on Odell Beckham to go with Eli Manning. And then I also believe I also believe in your quarterback Winston's going to be able to get it done. But I went with Vincent Jackson there, uh, and then I spent big money on Julio Jones. I said we had a lot of the same players because actually I'm going to skip down to my flex. I also have Deshaun Jackson uh, for the Redskins. I just think he's a, a tremendous value for a home run hitter. Uh, who do you have your tight end flex? At tight end at the flex, I wanted to save a little bit of money, but I also wanted to take someone that has been pretty solid. So I took Jacob Tammy for the Falcons. And then at my flex, I went ahead and spent some more money. I got Adrian Peterson. He's pretty much guaranteed. 
And then to finish it off with my defense, I went ahead and took the Jets. The Jets need to get some stops if they want to get back in the playoff hunt. So I think that defense will show up again. It was one of the best at the beginning of the year. I went with Vernon Davis at my tight end. He was extremely cheap, and he's getting a lot, a lot of targets. And then I took the Chiefs as my defense. So that is our lineups for week 12, and we'll see who comes out ahead. Uh, it looks like we have the same in Alfred Blue and Deshaun Jackson, and then uh, a lot of difference from there. Uh, so good luck to you this week. I don't want you to have luck. I want you to lose. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll give you luck, and then I'll say I just beat you off skill. How's that? All right. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, viewers. I want us both to have successful weeks. <laughs> I just want to beat him by one point so that you can win all win by many points. There we go. I I think we can all agree with that. Uh, Each and every week, we want to give you against the spread winner. Uh, Last week, after Chase gave me a hard time, I came out on top with the Denver Broncos beating the Chicago Bears. And actually, if I wanted to take credit, the... if I wanted the show to take credit, we actually gave you two winners when Chase timed, chimed in late with the Dallas Cowboys. If I was crediting him, we'll be 6-3-1, and one, uh, but instead I'll, I'll just count mine at 5-3-1, and one, but great call with the Dallas Cowboys. I think you should take him again this week on Thanksgiving. I don't, I don't know if our listeners have picked up on this, but you're a Dallas Cowboy fan and I'm a Carolina Panther fan, so it's good that we're not sh- uh, sharing a Thanksgiving a meal together because we may be sitting in different rooms of the house not speaking to each other by the day's end. Tony Romo's been on vacation. He's back ready to work. Uh, you haven't seen a defense like this yet, sir. <laughs> but let's go ahead and give you a winner for Week 12. Uh, we're supposed to get the classic Brady versus Manning matchup this Sunday night. But Manning's injury, or maybe you want to call it a benching, has made it the Broncos versus the Patriots instead. Now this game is in Denver, and I expect I expected this line to be huge, because I know the public won't be able to think of anything else but Brady versus Osweiler. But this game is Patriots versus Broncos. What the Patriots are doing is phenomenal. And I mean, anytime that you're 10-0 in this league, you are playing very well. But this team, this Patriots team that is 10-0 has a ton of flaws. First, their offensive line for New England is a disaster. You have no idea who the starters are week to week, and it's because it's the lack of healthy options, not because there's so many productive players. They have players starting that they've actually cut from their practice squad. Now, because of this, Tom Brady has been sacked 22 times this year. That's compared to 26 times of all last year. It's more than just hits and pressures. The fact of the matter is that pressure leads to interceptions. In fact, the NFL average this year is one interception for two and a half sacks, which leads me into stat four. I just gave you that the average is one interception for every two and a half sacks. Tom Brady's average this season is one interception for every five and a half sacks. Now, this is an unsustainable number, even for him. Tom Brady's career average is actually the same as the league's average this year, one interception for two and a half sacks. He's currently doing twice as good. Sooner or later, this pressure is going to lead to Brady interceptions. It's just unsustainable. And this Denver defense is good. And that's an underestimation. The Broncos defense sacks their opponent's quarterback second most in the NFL at 9% of their opponent's dropbacks. Like I said, this is Broncos versus Patriots. This isn't Oswaller versus Brady. And this Denver defense is special. Ridiculously special. They rank first in yards per pass allowing just 5.6 yards per completion. They rank number one in total pass defense, and they rank number one in yards per carry. This is a defense. This is a Denver's defense that's going to get notoriety this game. They'll be known as the NFL's best defense after this game. In the meanwhile, the public will pound New England. So just wait as long as possible to get the best available number on the Denver Broncos, 
and we're going to win this outright, but we'll get as many points as we can. How do you like that for boldness? Not a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I understand and I agree with everything you're saying. The Denver Broncos are definitely much more than just a quarterback. But Tom Brady is the quarterback, and so are the New England Patriots. And for some reason, they always find a way. I can't say that I dislike your play. Everything that you said is very accurate and very believable, and everything you say could happen. But Tom Brady is Tom Brady, and the Patriots are the Patriots. They're the best team in the NFL right now, and it's pretty obvious. Only thing I can say is maybe the Patriots aren't going to get up for this game as much as they would have if Peyton Manning was playing. And I'm always one of those people. I know you like numbers when it comes to betting, but I'm always one of those people that goes with my heart and how I feel. And being an athlete and you're not playing against the other team and they don't have their best player or maybe their star player or their lead player, it definitely has an effect on how you feel about the game. So I definitely do think that the Broncos have an opportunity to catch the Patriots sleeping because I don't think they'll be up for the game as much as they would if Peyton Manning was back there calling plays. And maybe that is true. I don't usually like to question motivation in NFL because when you only have 16 games, you should be motivated for all of them. Uh, that is a very solid point. But more than that, they're they're destroyed at wide receiver. I didn't even get into that, how they're without Edelman, who clearly Brady missed last week against the Bills' pressure. And then Amendola may be out for this game and if you don't have that slot receiver that Brady dumps off to about 10 times a game I don't know where he's going to drop off those passes to uh he's working with a whole bunch of nobodies when Brandon LaFell is your best wide receiver uh I think you may be in trouble out wide especially against these cornerbacks of the Denver Broncos James White remember that name fantasy yeah I I I thought one of us would actually take him this week (laughs) Uh, are, are you slipping in a bonus winner? Or are you just going to stick with the Cowboys and beating the Panthers and that's because you're going with your heart? Um, uh, it's kind of early in the week. Um, I'm going with my heart over the Cowboys. I really think the Cowboys have a chance to win out, not just because I'm a fan. It's just, it's just how things usually work out in the NFL. The crazy things generally start to happen around the end of the year and around the holidays. And the Cowboys, uh, the Cowboys usually suck in December, but They've sucked all regular season, so I think it's pretty. I think it's time for the football gods to shine on them. I haven't really looked at who I would actually take this week. Um, I don't have a play to give everybody, but if you would like to have my plays, I can pretty sure start to sing you a little something along the way. <laughs> I just want to give you your opportunity, and I was just trying to get on the record that you would say the Cowboys will win, so I can play it back for you when they lose. No, I won't say the Cowboys will win, <laughs> but the Ohio State Buckeyes will in the rivalry game against Michigan. Go blue. All right, what about your final period? My final period. Since Thanksgiving is right around the corner, we should leave Thursdays for turkey and celebrating for Friday. Thursday night football has been pretty bad. I'm not sure how often you or anyone else watches Thursday night football, but it's not good football. Last week we had Jacksonville and the Texans. I was thinking about a way to fix Thursday night football, and I couldn't. The only I said it could be a fan choice, but that wouldn't be good for the NFL because you don't have time to prepare because the fans will only be able to pick the game probably a couple of days in advance. So I think we should go back to the old days. Sunday and Monday is good enough for me. I'm, this is the first time I'm strongly standing against your final point. NFL, please do not do that. I don't know what I would do without my Thursday night football. I honestly think that Thursday night football is just a product of playing on Thursday with exactly what we said all episode that Today's NFL is about preparation and being sharp, and you just don't have enough time to uh, 
be as sharp as you possibly can be on Thursday night. You just proved my point. It's, a, it's a diluted product on Thursday night every week. It is, and I, I agree with you there, but just, please don't take it away. And the NFL makes so much money on primetime games, they're more likely to add a Saturday game than take away your Thursday game. I think they should just get in the cahoots with the NCAA. The NCAA always has all these great games on Saturday night that you have to switch back and forth from. They should just give the NCAA a primetime game. And that's all we have for you today. Uh, you can reach us on Twitter, at 4 Podcast. We would love to get any feedback that you may have, including if you disagree with us. Uh, if you need some, if you would like our fantasy advice, you may tweet us, at 4 Podcast. I'll just get it in by Saturday. We're still looking for sponsors. If you are interested in sponsoring the entire show or even a segment of the show or even want to be a guest on the show, please email us at forsuccess at gmail. Four is always the number, never the preposition. And that is all for us this week, you degenerates. We'll see you next week. Chase signing off again. But I'll be signing back on again next week. (laughs) In the week after that.